Welcome, welcome friends to this episode of Shoulder to Shoulder. Today, Megan and I will be discussing marriage, the ideal. The ideal of marriage. Hi, this is Megan Silas, and uh, we're excited to be here. This is actually going to be the first of a four-part series on marriage because, you know, um, you know, obviously this relationship, this podcast is ordered towards talking about relationships and yes. talking about growing in holiness together, um, seeking God together. And this relationship of marriage obviously is such an important one as it relates to um, seeking God in relationships. So, you know, it's definitely worth more than one episode, more than two, more than three, more than four, more yes, than four, too. But sure. we're going to start with four. Right. And then I'm sure as we have the conversations over the next four po- podcasts that even more topics will come up and we'll probably be saying numerous times, oh, we need to do a show about that. We need to do a show about that. And which... You know, that's yes. the beauty. Uh, there's time uh, well, so this, to do those shows. This we'll start. rightly could be said the most important human relationship if you are in the sacramental marriage, because it's a human relationship. It's right. the only one that has a sacrament behind it. True. You know, so and then when we talk about being right ordered in your lives. What do we do? We say God first, husband second, kids third. Right. That's in the right order of things. So right. this is probably... For those of us that have been called to the married life, most important relationship. So it will, we will be giving it a lot of time over these next few months and years. Right. Absolutely. For sure. And I will say, I want to give a shout out to um, one of our listeners. Um, We did uh, on one of the earlier podcasts, like right at the beginning when we were talking about uh, the different kinds of love, um, you know, we touched on romantic love as, as part of a, that discussion. And, you know, I made a couple statements uh, regarding marriage uh, during that podcast. And this listener got back to me and said, um, you know what, I heard what you said about that. And and that was interesting to me. And I'm not sure what I think about it. So, you know, you think maybe you'll do a, a, to- a topic on marriage sometime and, and really get into that. And it was the obedience question. Mm. And so a shout out to um, listener Adrian Reed. Hope you don't mind my saying your name. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you for um, bringing that question to bear because we will be talking about that on um, the third of the four-part series. But right. it may come up before then. But uh, just to know, to for, the, for anybody who listens, we would love... For you to give us feedback anytime you you know want to hear about a topic, you want to hear a conversation, um, please let us know. So how do they do that? They can um, do it through the, our Instagram page at Shoulder to Shoulder. Right. Um, or if they're listening on a podcast, uh, Podbean or Spotify, there's actually like a comment. Comment section. section. So do we have a Facebook comment. up yet? We had, I have created a Facebook page. I have yet to like share the Facebook page because I'm working on a little bit of computer formatting that I'm just not, you know, facile with. So so stay tuned. uh, So stay tuned. I'll be, I'll be trying to get that out um, before too long. Right. And then if, if you are personal friends of ours, you can always text us because you have our, our, uh, our numbers. And there's the uh, shoulder to shoulder email as well. Oh, right. We have never given that out. Shoulder, the number two shoulder at redcradio.org red the letter c radio.org that Look might actually us. be the best yes. way to do it so yeah. yeah shoulder letter number 2 shoulder so shoulder to shoulder at red c radio so that's r e d c radio.com so questions or topics you'd like to have Megan and I discuss. Oh, sorry. You're right. Dot org. Okay. <laughs> dot org. Excuse me. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. 
No, please don't be sorry. And I'm glad that you spoke up because um, that's one thing that we haven't actually spoken of yet. For these um, podcasts on marriage, we decided that it would probably be prudent on our part to actually get some male voice in the in the conversation. Uh, it's easy for women to get together and just uh, chit chat away about our thoughts and views and feelings, a lot of times feelings about how things go in marriage. Um, and men, you know, certainly have a different perspective and that's a perspective we want to hear. So welcome, Dennis Maka. Good morning, everyone. He will be here to uh, chime in as uh, as he sees fit or as we force him to. Uh, and uh, have some just... complimentary balance to the room in the conversation, which is so beautiful. Absolutely. So we thank you, Dennis, for your willingness to uh, step into the breach here. And uh, Glad to be here. Yeah. So awesome. So maybe we should probably just get started yeah. talking about marriage. Come Holy Spirit. Let's go. Amen. Ideal so, Christian marriage. Now, I have to say, coming from a um, family of divorce and everything, uh, and not really, you know, pretty secular, I really had no clue growing up. And so, of course, that's one of the reasons we do this is because we want to evangelize and educate uh, what marriage is all about. So this is a great place to start, Megan. What right. is an ideal marriage? Well, before like we actually get into the conversation, I wanted to tell like a little um, kind of, I don't know, it's not really a story, but it, it's something that my spiritual director uh, told me once. Um, she was telling me about when somebody works for like the treasury department and they are in charge of um, finding counterfeit money, they are trained, when, when they're trained to do that, they never actually look at counterfeit money. All they do is study the details to the nth degree of what real money looks like. Authentic U.S. mint money. They become so intimately knowledgeable about what true real money looks like that when, they, when something comes across their desk that's counterfeit, it becomes immediately recognizable to them as counterfeit because they see how it has diverged from what is real and true about what money is supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, the reason why we're starting right here with what is the ideal of Christian marriage? Because unless we have a true and deep understanding of what marriage should be in the eyes of God, what it's designed to be, what its purpose is, how um, it should be lived out in right, a holy right. way, how are we going to know when we've gone off what's true and good and beautiful right. about marriage. And I think what we've seen in our culture today is that we've gone off the rails. I mean, I really attribute the um, the same-sex union as back to us as heterosexuals who were getting it wrong in the first place and not doing it well. So that's another reason why we're here to kind Absolutely. of like re-examine it because mm -hmm. a lot of this, some of this was new to me, you know, even as a convert. Um, I've done a lot of research into what it's supposed to be, because when you're raising children, you want to teach them the correct way, right? Right. Yeah. You want them to, to educate them. And so I'm really excited about the show. Yeah. And I, I'm, I was blessed to be raised in um, a home that uh, my parents are still married. Um, they're both Christians. Uh, they, re they really did live out um, Christian marriage quite beautifully. So I had a beautiful example of it. Um, in their living, but there really wasn't a lot of discussion about 
why you know you live a certain way and and also because i was um protestant and not catholic the understanding of marriage as a sacrament was not present um and that's a big deal it's a big deal the understanding of marriage as a sacrament so let's um i want to just read first um it's kind of like the first little line um about marriage in the catechism of the catholic church this just kind of orient us um as to what the purpose of marriage is in the divine plan. So this is uh, from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, number um, 1601. The matrimonial covenant by which a man and a woman establish between themselves a partnership of the whole life is by its nature ordered toward the good of the spouses and the procreation and education of offspring. This covenant between baptized persons has been raised by Christ the Lord to the dignity of a sacrament. Amen. So beautiful. And of course, one of the things that is really, I'm very passionate about is that the family is the cornerstone of our society. I mean, that I've learned that from mother church. It is so true. I've seen it bear out that way Mm -hmm. throughout the year. So again, I'm just really glad we're talking about this. Right. If you want to read a good book about that, actually, Scott Hahn wrote a whole book called The First Society, Mm -hmm. which is all about marriage. I've not heard of that one. Yeah. And one of the things that he uh, points out that I think is actually really cool, and I never thought about it before until I read it in that, is that marriage is itself the first sacrament. Like, so if you think about Adam and Eve, and their relationship being a marriage, which it truly was, right? It mm-hmm. was ordered towards their holiness, their, you know, being helpmates and the procreation of children. So God blessed that union. And th- that was before there's baptism, before there's confirmation, before any of these things, right, like there right. is this union of two persons as a sacrament, as a, as a means of grace. And that's really profound. Like, I mean. Well, and also the first miracle, right? The first miracle of that Christ. Jesus performed, yeah. yes, was at the wedding feast. He wasn't ready, but, you know, he did right. what his mother asked. Yeah. So it was, I mean, it's that's it puts it in a really profound kind of category there uh, as the sort of the first sacrament. And I think it's good to maybe explore, well, what do you think God had in in mind? Okay. So let's get a little more detailed about what a sacrament actually is, Megan, because maybe some of our listeners are like, yeah, it was a sacrament. Maybe we have other listeners that don't really know like how we define it necessarily. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I love the the definition of it as being... um, a visible sign of an invisible reality. Yes, yes. And the um, also a, a, the ordinary means of grace, mm. which God mm. works through his church, right? Any thoughts on that, Dennis? I was just going to say, yeah, instituted by Christ to confer grace. So, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, 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 it goes to the very meaning of what a true sacramental marriage is versus a civil marriage. And mm-hmm. so there's there's big differences, I think, that that might come out as we discuss this. 
Right. And, and that just also um, makes me want to encourage people that if you have been married outside the church, but you're living inside the church, that you should really consider having your marriage convalidated. Because I know there's some people out there that don't even really know about that. Right. You be, have it recognized within the church is very important. That sacramental grace, you need right. that. We need it. We all need it. Yeah. And I think the um, reality of the grace of a sacrament is that when the church is operating in her ministry um, as the the one who confers sacraments, the interesting thing about marriage is that the partners actually confer the sacrament on each yes. other and the church right. stands as a witness. And that's the only sacrament of any of them that that happens. Mm-hmm. So this point of um, this is a covenant that two individuals are entering into that must be freely chosen. Um, that's all, you know, in, in this day and age in America, like this isn't so much an issue, right? Like people who are getting married aren't generally being forced to be married. I mean, it's not like an arranged marriage situation or, a, you know, daddy's got the shotgun cause you, you know, knocked up the daughter. <laughs> like yeah. that's not what's really happening in the United States. So generally it's freely chosen, but in the history of, of human marriage, um, it was common where there'd be issues where there one of the spouses would be forced into the union, and the church did not recognize a that if you were forced, that you didn't have consent of your own free right. will, that you could actually validly enter into the sacrament. Right, and let's talk about why marriage was instituted in the first place, right? Um, part of it was to make sure that there's that accountability to one another. Right. To be because there was too much. I mean, like a certain time in history, there was just there wasn't the giving of marriage, not like it should be. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it, it it then lent itself to that accountability to one another. And that's why it was raised to that sacramental level. Well, and I think the sense of um, it's ordered as a relationship, you know, I think in this world we get so caught up in marriage as being just simply about the relationship of the of the two people entering into it. And it's about their personal fulfillment, their pleasure, their, you know, excitement over each other mm-hmm. and things like that. But if we go back to that definition that I read, it's ordered towards the good of the spouses, yes, mm-hmm. which is what, you know, those things, but... The procreation and education of children, and that is not to be separated from the reality of what ideal marriage should be. And isn't it considered a sacrament of sacrifice, too? Which I think people really need to understand that because it is a full self-giving, meaning to put others before yourself, which is kind of our overall call, but this is um, in a micro a microcosm of being able to be selfless is with your spouse. Right. Yes, absolutely. And I think the, um, also from the catechism, uh, one of the things that we can sometimes lose sight of is that the sacrament of marriage isn't just about the temporal idea of, well, we need to have these unions that are stable so that we can raise good children and educate them in the faith. And that is definitely part of it and a really big, important part of it. But it's even more profound and deep. And And I'm going to read from the Catechism 1661 that says, the sacrament of matrimony signifies the union of Christ and the church. 
It gives spouses the grace to love each other with the love with which Christ has loved his church. The grace of the sacrament thus perfects the human love of spouses, strengthens their indissoluble unity, and sanctifies them on the way to eternal life. And that goes back to the very first sentence. It's oriented toward the good of the spouses, but what good what good is specifically is it referring to the spiritual good? That's right. You know, and, and so, you know, I, I look at my marriage to Darby. She, she perfects me. I mean, she, she, I, I wouldn't be me without her, right. you know, and I, I, I would hope to say that she would say the same thing about me. You know, we help make one another better in, in, in every way. And, and so it doesn't mean that we make each other perfect and then we, but we make each other holy and we mm-hmm. challenge each other and we, we, we help guide one another to heaven. And that's our job. Right. I see it as one of the more beautiful things I've experienced is it's, it's for both fraternal correction and encouragement mm-hmm. to be the person that God's created you to be. And that's been one of the main things to hold each other accountable, to be the person that God's created you to be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it really does come out of that hope that um, the love that you share isn't just going to be the erotic love that has this sense of a physical passion and, and a, a desire for intimate um, physical union, but that true, like Christ infused agape love, which loves for the good of the other. And which sees the other person as the a beautiful creation in the Lord and sees that person as someone that you want to give your life towards helping them become fully the beautiful, um, unique, unrepeatable act of God that the person is. Right. And so... In the, in the ideal of Christian marriage, it's looking at each other with this sense of awe of who God has given you mm-hmm. in your life and says, I want your good more than my own. I want your holiness as the priority in my life. Like the idea that you would get to heaven is one of my primary goals in life. You know, one of the ways I like to look at it, just as kind of this little anecdote in my mind, is when you look at your spouse, you look at the truth of who the human person is in them. Like, how does God see them without original sin? Mm-hmm. What would they look like if right. original sin didn't exist in your spouse and always be encouraging them toward that goal? Absolutely. And then, and also, to have that be a reciprocal relationship, Absolutely. right? Where it's not just yes, one yes. person ordered towards the other that way, but that both individuals in the marriage have that perspective and that they also both understand that there is no way they're going to be able to live that out unless they first order their lives towards God and towards his will in their lives. That when they are, if they're both looking at God, if they're both ordered towards his will, they're both seeking God in as individuals as well as a couple, that that is where the grace of the sacrament will truly blossom because sacraments, they have grace of their own right, right? But that grace also needs to be received in order for it to truly flourish. 
And we need to be open to the grace that God wants to pour into our lives through the sacrament. Um, but that requires us to be properly disposed. And I think those are the graces that help married couples grow old together. You know, it, it every marriage is different. All the pieces fall into the place differently. You know, one spouse may die early. And so that marriage looks completely different than a couple that grows old into their 50th year together plus. And so we look at, at all the commonalities and that is the grace and the focus of the marriage all along. Yes, there may be fighting. Yes, there may be struggles and there will be. Absolutely. <laughs> there Absolutely. will be on a daily basis because you live with anyone for that long, there are going to be little nitpicky struggles, but we're all called to live beyond ourselves. And I think marriage constantly helps us do that for the good of that relationship and for the good of myself by laying down my life for my spouse daily and sacrificing things that I, you know, mm, I get real irritated or, or Darby gets real irritated with me. We, we set it aside on a daily basis sometimes, sometimes more than one time <laughs> a day. And, and we look at, and we look at the long-term goal. We look at growing old together and as long as God will will it. And as long as we both ha have breath and, and raising our children and, and seeing them take our ideals that we've been given from our parents. You know, I, I look at, and when we were talking about the uh, preparing for this one particular episode, we were uh, just talking about things back and forth. And the song that keeps popping into my head is the one from Vince Gill. Unfortunately, Vince Gill's marriage didn't last, mm -hmm. but um, he wrote a great song called Look at Us. Do y'all remember that song? I do vaguely, not. Vaguely. I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> You're welcome, listeners. <laughs> Uh, but it's look at us after all these years together. Look at us after all that we've been through. Look at us still leaning on each other. If you want to see how true love should be, then just look at us. Mm. So um, look at you still pretty as a picture. Look at me still crazy over you. Look at us still believing in forever. And then goes on. If you want to see how true mm. love should be, then look at us. And that speaks nothing to the struggles of day-to-day -day marriage, but it talks about the long-term goal. Right. You know, and, and I, I would envision this to be an elderly couple. Well, no, she's not necessarily as pretty as the picture on their wedding day, nor would he be as pretty as that picture originally. But it doesn't matter. It's the long-term goal of sacrificing from one for one another to get to that longer-term goal of eternity for one another. Yeah. And I think that's the ideal marriage. And the graces have to be there from the beginning to really help people get there, whether they know the graces are there or not, they're there. Absolutely. Yeah. What we're talking about really um, brings to mind when I was preparing for this, I read um, a letter called On Christian Marriage. I won't bore you with the Latin um, from Pope <laughs> Pius XI that he wrote in 1930. And when I was reading it, I just realized, wow, like it's still so relevant mm -hmm. for today. Yes. Like it hasn't changed. Like so mm -hmm. many people think what marriage is, what marriage should be, what, what it is has changed. It hasn't. We maybe have tried to live it out in ways that were not properly ordered. We may have tried to change the definition, but the truth of the matter is marriage is meant to be a certain thing. And when lived in that is the most fruitful and the, and the most fulfilling and when it talks about 
uh, marriage in on in one of the sections um, in this Pope Pius XI writes, therefore the sacred partnership of true marriage is constituted both by the will of God and the will of man. From God comes the very institution of marriage, the ends for which it is instituted, the laws that govern it, the blessings that flow from it, while man, through generous surrender of his own person made to another for the whole span of life, becomes with the help and cooperation of God the author of each particular marriage with the duties and blessings annexed thereto from divine institution. So it's beautiful. this beautiful cooperation mm. between God and his divine will and the human will that's then submitted to God's will that makes marriage flourish. And we're going to do a whole topic on a whole, you know, um, the third episode on marriage. We're going to talk about obedience and, and things like that. But so often we can get caught up in the t discussion of submission or obedience in marriage when we're talking about from between the spouses. But reality is, is that in the ideal of Christian marriage, the first and foremost, the submission and obedience is to God and his will and yes. always trying yes. to, uh, in the couple, seek God together and to try to discern what is his will in our lives? What is his will for our marriage? And I think in saying that, we can't lose sight of one of the very necessary components of a really, truly ideal Christian marriage, which be, would be shared prayer. So glad you said that. Yes. I mean, and I will say that I think that this is an area where a lot of um, Christians, even people who are profoundly spiritual in their own personal lives, still struggle Absolutely. to be in prayer with their spouse. Okay, so I have a question for Dennis. Okay. Why, why I, I've seen just overall, it just seems like for the guys, sometimes it can be much more challenging to pray with their wives. Like it's a real discomfort zone to sit down and pray. Because like one of the, the biggest heartaches that some of my friends do have, you know, it, even into 20, 25 years of marriage is that their husband doesn't pray with them. Mm -hmm. So why does there seem to be that kind of like... I think it's a different level of intimacy. Uh, I, I think it's even deeper than the physical love intimacy. Mm -hmm. And 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 I, I think it's different for every person. You know, uh, I'm, I'm proud to see that my daughter and her future spouse, um, they're engaged, are, are praying together to start things off right, Absolutely. you know, and, and when you look at praying with the kids, there's a certain level of, of, um, focus and there's only mm -hmm. so much focus that can happen when kids are running all over the place, when they're toddlers and screaming and yelling. And there's a lot of dedication that goes there. But when it comes down to the spouses praying with one another, there's a certain level of intimacy there that makes one vulnerable, I think. And if your relationship with God isn't what it should be, then I think if you reveal that to your spouse, I think that might, uh, it, it, it's pointing out, here's one of my bigger areas of weakness. And you don't want that, you don't want the person you love to see that. I think that right. po possibly gets in the way with couples. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. No, I mean, I, I hear sometimes the phrase, it's just so personal. You're right. But it should be shared. But I think you have to have the personal relationship right. to then develop the shared relationship within a marriage. Right. And when we talked about spiritual friendship, you know, and I think it was the fourth 
podcast? Yeah, fourth podcast. Um, You know, we talked about the elements of spiritual friendship and how vulnerability and intimacy and and all those things are so integral to having a deep spiritual friendship. And I would say that spiritual friendship should be the foundation of your marriage. Like you have your spiritual friendship, which then your physical relationship is grafted onto that. And, but the foundation is that sense of a shared love for the Lord and, and a willingness to make yourself vulnerable and to be intimate. And one of the things that just came to mind when, when you were talking, Dennis, um, mm-hmm. Is Okay, so we sometimes we're very concerned about our own vulnerability, but we need to also consider what makes my marriage vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And not praying together makes your marriage more vulnerable to the evil one or whatever. And, and I, I started thinking about the book um, of Tobit. And remember how um, there's that issue where he Tobit's son goes to this woman who she keeps like she keeps having husbands get killed because there's a demon. Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it's not necessarily clear if the demon is like overcoming her and she's actually killing the spouses or how that's actually going down. I don't, if if it's in there, I just don't remember. But I remember that his son agrees to marry the woman who's like lost several spouses to death because of this demon. And what does he do on their wedding night he prays with her together they pray and the demon is dispelled and they are able to have Mm -hmm. beautiful a beautiful marriage union right and i think maybe if we stopped thinking so much about our own vulnerability and fears and we made the vulnerability of our marriage more important and say if we don't pray together if we don't seek the lord together then our marriage is vulnerable it's vulnerable to the evil one. It's vulnerable to our own human frailties, our own, you know, um, woundedness and all that sort of stuff. Then we could maybe move a little bit beyond the fear mm-hmm. of making, you know, maybe not looking as holy as we'd like to look or maybe not feeling as comfortable because we don't like praying out loud or whatever. But let our fear that our marriage won't be all that it could be be greater than our fear for our own sense of well-being or security in in our thinking about ourselves. You know, well, I, th- I think a way to to help people through this is, as I may have mentioned already, every marriage looks different, and so we we need to look at what works for you as a couple. And if we need to start small by going to the chapel together to pray silently together to start, you're, you're praying in unison, even if it's not out loud and then work your way up, say some, say some prayers together that are, are scripted the rosary, for example, and throw some intentions in. And as you get into deeper, deeper prayer, it's the more of one-on-one discussion with God, but together as a couple. You know, and so I think it, it goes in levels wherever you're at. It, it always try to strive for a higher level, you know, and I look at my parents, you know, and the, the song going back to look at us, you know, and they played that for my grandparents when they were having their anniversary and they, they had a wonderful relationship. And I look at my parents, I look at them and I see that they say their prayers every night together and they go through their intentions and they say the divine mercy chaplet and they have a perpetual novena to our, our lady undoer of knots and they pray for their family and 
And I see that. And when we go to visit them, we are involved in their evening prayer together. It's just a passing on of the legacy. And I, I think it's critical and crucial. If you're not praying at all together, that's one thing. But if if you can't have the ultimate level of intimate prayer where you're pouring out your heart to God, as, as you would say in confession, um, try for the next level down and, and, you know, get there eventually. I think it's all, always about the struggle. And I, I think yes. always know throughout your life and throughout your marriage together, struggles are going to, going to happen. Struggle with them to struggle together mm. through them with the ultimate goal of getting your spouse to heaven. Right. And, and before we wrap up this episode, I want to address like in the dating phase and when you're, when you're in that dating phase, uh, we really talked about mm-hmm. the four loves, the first three, you know, being with God and the familial and the friendship, those need to be developed during your friendship stages, mm-hmm. right? The friendship, all mm-hmm. of those need to be highly developed in the love and prayer is a part of that in your, let's say, courting phase. Very important because the culture's gotten that so wrong. So we want to really encourage our listeners that that's a very vital part in developing a more well-rounded love for one another to develop those loves before the sacrament of marriage and then, of course, the erotic love that comes after that. So pray together. If you can't pray together with your um fiance or your, you know, maybe future fiance, then yeah. take a look at that. Sure. Well, my parents always put together a marriage takes three, uh, mm-hmm. a, a poem that goes with that, but also a couple that prays together, stays together. Right. And I love Dennis, how you were talking about how your parents prayer together was something that, you know, you, you passed down. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I don't think we can get off the topic of what ideal Christian marriage is without, you know, talking a little bit about children and the begetting of children and how integral that is to God's design for Christian marriage, um, the openness to the blessing of children. See, that's one of the sad things that I think has developed within, you know, our culture in this day and age is that we really have stopped seeing children so much as just just without a doubt a blessing from god no mm-hmm. matter what we it sort of the mind, our minds have started saying children are a fulfillment of our own desires if we want them great and if yeah. we don't then they're a burden or we we don't want to deal with that but they're always a blessing no matter whether you know it was your your perfect desire to have mm-hmm. children or not they are a gift from God and he wants to give us this gift. We need this gift if we're going to continue on as a species, of course, but he wants to give it to us and he wants to give it to us in such a way that everybody will be enriched by it. So that means you have a couple who loves each other, loves God, desires God's gifts, receives God's gifts with joy and with willingness to self-sacrifice and then passes on the gift of faith to those children. So then they go forth and continue to build the church. Because if we think about Christ as the bridegroom, the church is the bride meant for the begetting of spiritual children. Yes. And then as the marriage is the image, the human image of Mm -hmm. the divine love between Christ and his church, we are meant also for the begetting of children and the raising of spiritual children. And it's only within a marriage that's ordered towards God and order and 
towards his will for us and the recognition of the gifts that he pours forth through the marriage, that we can do that. For me, what you just described so beautifully, Megan, is a form of God's beautiful plan for our personal sanctification. What a beautiful tool of sanctification is marriage and family life. It teaches us to be our best. It shows us where we fall and we are kind Mm -hmm. of short-sighted. And it opens our minds to being able to improve, to to walk ever closer with God. So it is one of the most beautiful sanctifying tools or opportunities that Christ has given us. Yeah. And I think foundation in the church, it foundation in the faith is is so critical for marriage. And as it we bring it back to what Megan was saying earlier, it is such a parallel that the marriage relationship is the same as the the relationship of Christ and his church. And, and we need to obey Christ. And what did he do for us? He died for us. And right. so I think that leads to the next topic that we're going to be talking to, about is obedience. And and um, help me out with the second part. Discernment. But that's Discernment. actually, that's the third topic. Sorry, but skipping ahead. We'll definitely get to that. But I but do yeah, want to also critical. point out that a beautiful well-lived, holy Christian marriage is not meant just for the fulfillment of those involved in the marriage. It is meant to be a witness Mm -hmm. to the world. And I think that is a really, as we go into the next topic of um, when we struggle to live out Christian marriage in the, in the ideal, a good question maybe to, for the listeners to kind of ponder if they are married is this question is my marriage as it exists right now a witness to the world of God's loving grace? Because if it's not, then there's work that needs to be done. And that's why it's a sacrament, because it's a visible sign of an, of invisible, an invisible reality yeah. to confer grace, not just to themselves and children, but to to the world. To the world, absolutely. So we will take up that mantle of um, what is... Uh, Christian marriage lived outside the ideal look like and some of those struggles and and how we can try to um, deal with those hardships because they are hardships. Um, I think we cannot um, deny the fact that the beautiful icon of marriage that the church upholds is amazing and glorious and awesome. And when it is lived well, it is profound Profound, you know you you can think maybe of one or two couples where you just like wow Mm -hmm. they are living it and it is so compelling Mm -hmm. but the truth of the matter is is in a lot of circumstances it's not being lived um to the ideal and and really falling short in a lot of ways through maybe not the fault of the spouses the spouses Mm -hmm. there's a lot of issues involved a lot of um mitigating factors and stuff and And that's a hardship, and it's something that we need to recognize and address, and that's what we're going to do in the next podcast. So we hope that you will um, tune in for the next one, and until then, may God bless you and keep you.